Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. We hope you're having a good day. Lots to talk about on our program today following the uh, vice, pre- vice presidential debate last night. We'll talk about that in a bit. Where we're at with the uh, possibility of uh, getting a stimulus uh, package done yet. Maybe it's uh, not completely dead. Maybe they can uh, still get something worked out. We're also going to talk about the uh, case brought by the National Pork Producers Council and American Farm Bureau Federation and now several others seeking to invalidate California's Prop 12, which would ban the sale of pork from hogs raised without minimum square feet requirements. We'll be talking about that with the National Pork Producers Council. And we're going to get an update on several issues from Iowa Senator Charles Grassley later in the program. So lots of ground to cover on today's program. Let's start it off with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, I said after the presidential debate last week, I said, we can do better. And I thought last night, while still having some things that uh, weren't the best, uh, all in all, it was a better debate, I thought, as far as a discussion of issues. Well, I certainly agree with you on that. Uh, It was much more civil, much more normal than than the debate the week before. I will also point out that for the first time in these debates, food and agriculture did come up, uh, if only briefly. Uh, Senator Harris, the Democratic vice presidential candidate, noted that people are in food lines, and she also said that uh, due to President Trump's China policy, farmers have been going bankrupt. Now, that was about it as far as the mentions of agriculture and food, but at least they were in there. But certainly issues like climate and energy, those will impact agriculture as well. Yes, that's for sure. And, uh, and Vice President Pence um, said he believes that uh, President Trump, uh, or excuse me, that, that a President Biden would ban fracking. Uh, Harris has been opposed to fracking, and, uh, b- but Biden has said that he would not ban it. He just would ban it on public lands. So, uh, and then, there, of course, there are the broader climate issues, um, which are sort of difficult to summarize because, uh, you know, the climate, ch- climate change affects uh, almost everything. Yeah, the fracking issue, I mean, there are plenty of documented cases where both Harris and Biden have said they would ban it, then all of a sudden last night she was saying they wouldn't. Uh, so there are discrepancies there. I thought, you know, there's a lot of attention to... Um, Vice President Pence keep going past his allotted time, but also Senator Harris did that as well. I thought they both did that. At, at some point, I want to see a moderator of a debate follow up with a question when it's not answered. I want to hear a, a moderator actually say to either or both on the stage, you did not answer the question. Here it is again. Answer the question. I never, You never hear that direct follow-up. Now, in some cases, last night, Vice President Pence did it on the court packing question, but that should be the moderator's job, I think, to step in and say, you did not answer my question. Yes, I find that to be a television pro- a problem. 
uh, that uh, most of the time when people are on television, if they don't want to answer a question, uh, they find a way to uh, get around it. Uh, years ago, when I was promoting a book, I took a, uh, a one-afternoon course in being on TV, and I was taught, if you don't like the question you were asked, answer the question that you wish you were asked. And that's what people do. And everything goes so fast on TV, they just go, they just go past it. So that is a problem with this format. And I, I guess I look at the moderator's job from the position I'm often in in my job, and that is asking questions, trying to get information. And if I'm trying to get information and I want an answer to a question, then it's up to me to keep asking the question and, and trying to get the answer. At some point, they may not ever answer it, but my job is to try. I don't think these moderators uh, uh, do that nearly well enough. But let's move on. we got other issues. Let's look at our, on the uh, COVID aid package. Uh, you know, the president called off talks. They weren't getting anywhere, evidently. Now he's saying he would do some targeted things like assistance for airlines or stimulus checks to people. Do you think that has any chance of going anywhere? Well, from what I'm hearing this morning, it is possible that there would be something for the airlines. Uh, Speaker Pelosi has a press conference uh, in about 45 minutes, and we'll see what she says at that time. But it certainly doesn't look to me like there's going to be anything for the ethanol plants, the, the pork producers who had to kill their animals, or for, the, uh, for uh, food stamp beneficiaries getting a boost. Uh, it doesn't look like there'll be anything like that before the election. Yeah, I have mixed feelings on this. I, I kind of like the targeted approach because I don't like these bills that have a lot in it that's not really COVID-related. Uh, whether it's a bailout of cities or states or whatever. But on the other hand, if you're left out of that target, like you just pointed out, agriculture might be, then that's hard to uh, for that segment of the economy. In this case, we'd be talking about agriculture. Right, right. I just don't know, uh, as time goes on, uh, whether it gets less likely that you're going to have anything uh, for those groups. I guess right now, we'll probably just have to wait and see what happens with the election and what Congress does in the in the lame duck. They're going to come back twice, really. They're going to come back in November uh, and then break for Thanksgiving, and then they're going to come back again in December. And, of course, they've got to pass a, 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 some form of appropriations bill, either a real appropriations omnibus bill or uh, another uh, bill to keep funding going on into the uh, next year. Uh, we just have to wait and see, I guess. Always hard to kind of predict what's going to happen in a lame duck session but i think this one would be even more difficult to uh to project on what they might do well at the present time it's very difficult uh, and if trump loses of course then i think the republicans are going to want to do whatever they can possibly do while they still uh, uh you know while trump is president and they still hold the majority in the senate uh, so we'll just have to uh, we'll just have to see about it and, of course, another thing that makes all of this so odd is that because of the COVID restrictions, you don't have the kind of lobbying in Washington that you usually have. You don't have the farmers and the ranchers coming here. Every time we're in this sort of situation, I miss seeing the people who come to, usually come to Washington um, and hearing what they are hearing from members of Congress. And, of course, the other part of this uh is we may not know for some time after the election the outcome of the election. Yes, that's possible. Although the way the polls are going now, 
uh, if they hold up with it looks like you know uh, Biden is ahead in Arizona, we may know sooner than we were th- than we were expecting. Of course, four years ago should have taught us not to trust those polls going in until you actually see what happens. So it'll be interesting for sure. Always good to talk with you, Jerry. Thanks a lot. All right. We'll talk to you soon again. Very good. Thank you. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Well, the U.S. is backing the National Pork Producers Council, an American Farm Bureau lawsuit seeking to invalidate California's Prop 12. We'll get the latest on that from the National Pork Producers Council next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Do you feel that the Next Generation Fuels Act could have an even more of a profound impact on the biofuels industry than the RFS? I do, and it's because it clears all of the market barriers that are out there. The reed vapor pressure stumbling block that we've had in the past. If passed, that barrier goes away. Credits to get the automakers to produce more flexible fuel vehicles restored. Retail compatibility with blends up to E30, taking care of um, a high-octane market, something we've always tried to pursue, and we know that ethanol contains um, really affordable octane. It's just that one piece, making sure that they get the low-carbon, really accounting for how uh, ethanol plants um, are low-carbon on a facility-by-facility basis. That little tweak is made to the bill, and if enacted, it would have a greater positive impact on the rural economy than the RFS. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. 
U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's get the latest on the lawsuit seeking to invalidate California's Prop 12. That would ban the sale of pork from any hogs raised around the country, uh, not meeting the requirements of of Prop 12 when it comes to uh, minimum square feet requirements. Uh, Now we get word that the U.S. is backing the National Pork Producers Council and American Farm Bureau Federation's lawsuit. Here to talk about it is Michael Formica, National Pork Producers Council Assistant Vice President for Domestic Affairs. Michael, thanks for joining us. Uh, So what's the latest? More groups are joining you on this. Thanks. thanks. Yeah, we've had a a pretty busy couple of weeks. We filed our opening brief in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals challenging Prop 12, which imposes really arbitrary and insane housing standards on America's pork producers. Um, We we were followed up with a a broad assortment of business groups, chambers of commerce, uh, National Association of Manufacturers. We have grown the number of state attorney generals supporting us. We now have 20 state attorney generals who are are backing us in this. And then at the end of the day on uh, last Wednesday, we we got word that the federal government was actually weighing in and is telling the Court of Appeals that Prop 12 uh, not only is going to cause uh, significant harm to the operations of the USDA and to food programs and food aid programs, which, of course, it's going to make food more expensive for everybody, um, but that it's, uh, you know, at its base, it's unconstitutional. Uh, It's in violation of the uh, Commerce Clause of the uh, U.S. Constitution, which is a a significant, significant development here with pretty excited what's the next step uh next step would be that the state of california and the humane society the united states and some various other uh animal activist groups they have a chance to respond to our brief um that you know that'll happen in about two and a half weeks then we get to reply to them and hopefully if everything goes on schedule we will have uh, oral arguments before the court in early, in late december or early january and maybe have a decision here in uh, you know in the in the coming spring which is getting a little close to uh to the, the drop dead uh date in order to you know the prop 12 goes into effect january 1 2022 and so we're cutting it very very close to you know, to when producers will have to make a final decision, have to begin, you know, replacing their herds and breeding, you know, breeding new animals to to ship into the California, into the California because market. We're still waiting, of course, for California to give us regulations on how we do this. And you mentioned timing is an issue because there's also, I would guess, the uh, possibility or maybe even a probability of an appeal. Uh, certainly, if um, you know if we're not successful at the Ninth Circuit, we are going to appeal this to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, and and I suspect if we are successful, that uh, if Cal- even if California doesn't appeal, it, the Humane Society will try and bring this up to the Supreme Court, but maybe not. We'll 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 see. We have to see uh, 
how things how things fall out in the court. Um, but certainly for you know for producers and being able to plan uh, a year in advance to get animals into the marketplace. And one of the terrible things about Prop 12 is not just that it that it requires us to use group housing and, and you know take a 25 to 30 percent efficiency cut on group housing. You have to go up to 24 square feet, uh, but it also it also changes how we actually breed the animals, um, eliminates uh, the use of what we call breeding stalls. Um, so the, you know, that pre- prevents us from providing individualized care and protection of the sow after you have weaned the piglet off from her. And, and it applies not just to sows, breeding sows, it also applies to uh, gilts. So those are, uh, those are younger sows that have not been bred. Um, and as we read it, it it's really going to require a wholesale um, reconstruction of the breeding herd. We're talking with Michael Formica, Assistant Vice President, Domestic Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council, about the challenge to California's Prop 12. I would guess an appeal, Michael, a lot depends on not only the decision, but how it is worded. Is that right? Uh, the uh, You know, you could... Kind of get a feeling how strong it is. Are there some openings left in in the wording on the ruling? Things like that. Um, cert, you know, certainly you're right. It depends on partly on how it's worded. We developed our case from the ground up to you know to eventually get it to the Supreme Court, and we feel pretty confident that we've got a we've got a case not only that the U.S. Supreme Court will take an interest in. You don't automatically get to go to the Supreme Court. You have to. Uh, there's about 10,000 cases a year that get petitioned there, and they choose about 85 or 90. And so we were we spent our time and built this to to make the case that they would they would want to take it. Um, but then you know also there uh, you know there's a lot of you know, a lot of questions that get really really deep into the weeds of um, you know, all those uh, high school history uh, and government affairs classes that. You know, most people, yeah, you know, thinking about my own kids, tend to sleep through. Uh, but the fun foundational questions is uh, how we structured the United States as a whole when we first set it up, and could you could you have one state discriminated against another state? Can California send inspectors into into Indiana or into Iowa or into Minnesota? Uh, can California tell a farmer in in Minnesota that you have to accept an HSUS employee? as an inspector on your farm. Uh, we don't we don't think they have that right to do it. And furthermore, they don't have that right to prevent product from going into the state if it's wholesome and it's safe and it's been inspected through a USDA facility. That's an important point uh, for a producer in Iowa or Illinois or wherever it may be to sell into uh, California. It would have to be under Prop 12, right, have to be verified it meets their standards. So that would mean someone would have to come to that farm in Illinois, Iowa, or whatever state, and actually inspect it to verify it. Correct? That, that that's that's correct. There's nothing in the language of Prop 12 that would require that, but the regulations the state of California is looking at adopting would require every farm, and not just the sow farm, but even the finishing farm that raises a pig, which will eventually enter the California market, to be registered with the state of California. And then they're also uh, talking about requiring annual inspections um, at least once a year. You'd have an inspector show up to your farm to look at it. And then 
surprise inspections as well, where you'd have no notice and then at any time somebody could show up and you know show up and inspect your farm. And that's a, that's the problem. There's no discussion in there of biosecurity concerns. Um, frankly, there aren't enough inspectors in the country to do this. But yeah, we, uh, who would that be? Would that be USDA inspectors, HSUS uh, people? Uh, doesn't say, does it? It, it? it it doesn't say. There is a there is a, um, a, a program there that they're going to try and develop to certify within the state of California anyone who could be an inspector. And so certainly there are inspectors, there are inspectors, auditors that the industry uses now to go on and ensure, you know, ensure any one facility, any one farm is doing the right thing to, you know, to quantify and qualify what's going on there. And so we would, we would hope we could use the folks who already know our business, uh, but that's, that's unclear. California is going to come up with their, their own rules and their own inspectors. And if you want, if you want your meat sold into California, you're uh, at least as far as they're concerned, you're going to have to comply with it. Um, that's why we disagree, which is why we're in court. Yeah, and that's why this is a national issue, not just a state issue, and also why you're getting this broad coalition of support. Yeah, and this you know this immediate case deals with pork, but the you know the fundamentals involved here are far broader than that. They could they could take this whole approach and they could apply it to you know to corn. The ethanol industry has has dealt with similar problems. Um, you know, dealing with uh, low carbon fuel standards in California, for instance. Um, you know, you could you could see a similar thing. What you know, what if they decided, uh, you know, for the cattle industry that you had to provide they have to provide 24 square feet now for every pig. What if you had to provide, you know, 150 square feet for every cow? Um, the dairy industry could be facing this. Um, certainly, the the egg industry has faced it, and we could see it happening to uh, you know to broiler chickens. Um, you know, they could they could do something with uh, with biotech and you know and and row crops and and grains. Um, you know, if California can get away with this, they can get away with anything, and we're gonna, we intend to put a stop to it. Yeah, there's a lot at stake here, Michael. Thank you for the update. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Michael Formica, National Pork Producers Council, Assistant Vice President for Domestic Affairs. That is a very important uh, lawsuit to keep an eye on the, the challenge to California's Prop 12. All right, up next, we'll talk with the Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John Newton joins us next on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Seed corn companies love to talk about characteristics, maturity, emergence, vigor. Those things are important, but at FS Envision, we've developed corn with some extra characteristics, like attitude, like a fighter's will to win, like the spirit to persevere, because in the end, 
Those are the traits that get it done. Get Envision in the fight for you. Talk to your local FS crop specialist today. FS Envision. Never settle. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Lean hog futures trending higher in early trade on this Thursday, driven in part by a marketing year high in U.S. pork export sales reported by USDA this morning. Export sales of U.S. pork totaling 60,200 metric tons for the week ending October 1st, up 52% from the prior week. Hog slaughter today estimated at 487,000 head. That'd be up from a week ago at 484,000 head. December lean hogs up $2.72 at 67.30. February at 70.92 up a dollar 80. In cattle futures, a very narrow mix in live cattle. December contract down seven cents per hundred weight at 113.02. Feeder cattle November down 17 cents at 137.70. In soybean futures, we're trending higher an hour into the trading day. New crop November up 10 and a half at 1061 and a half. January up nine and a quarter at 1060 and three quarters of a cent. Soybean export sales exceeding trade expectations totaling 2.59 million tons. In corn futures, December up three and three quarters, 392 and a half. Wheat activity has been mixed in early trade. Chicago wheat December down three at 604 and a quarter. Kansas City wheat December steady at 544 and a half. Minneapolis spring wheat December down a penny and three quarters at 547 and a half. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow up 105 points, NASDAQ up 48, SP up 19, November crude oil up a dollar 11. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, let's take a look at the ag economy, see where we're at here in harvest of 2020. Uh, lots of issues to talk about with John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, always good to talk with you. Let's start with China and their purchases. They've been strong, but some would point out they're not, uh, they're not at the levels called for in phase one of the trade deal. So is this half empty, half full glass when we look at trade with China? 
Well, I think when you look at, at the way they've been in the market in terms of, of new crops, it's been uh, very, very strong. Matter of fact, new crop sales of corn and soybeans, I haven't seen the data released uh, this morning yet, but, but last week they were at record highs. Uh, we had uh, 1.4 billion bushels of soybeans committed for export and somewhere in the neighborhood of, I think, 960 million bushels of corn uh, committed for export. So that was that was strong, and, and a lot of that is, is due to China. So I think, uh, you know, when you think about their structural changes and the, the way they've been in the new crop market, those are all good things. Uh, at the same time, I think due to coronavirus, trade has been uh, slower. Uh, so, you know, while it may be difficult to hit our phase one targets uh, this year, folks need to remember that this is a multi-year agreement, uh, and they, they are in our market in a very big way right now. They have not purchased really ethanol or ethanol products i thought maybe by now we would have seen that i think i think a lot of folks were looking at that and and early on uh you know in this uh, phase one agreement the conversation uh, that i had with officials was uh, ethanol is a big component of how we're going to get to uh, those phase one targets so hopefully we see that needle start to move uh, sooner rather than later Uh, you know when you look at their structural changes I think Ambassador Dowd uh, said last week that they've met 50 of the 57 structural changes uh, that we've asked them to do. So that's progress. I think, I think that's uh, that's the point here is we're moving in the right direction. It needs to continue uh, into next year as well. Yeah, I think that is a good point. Uh, trade with China came up in the vice presidential debate last night. That might have been a good point to have made in that uh, in that discussion uh, where we are with the uh, phase one trade deal. Uh, let's talk about some other issues. We the recent stocks report uh, lower stocks than had been uh, expected. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I think <laughs> that was quite the surprise. Uh, you know, lower stocks uh, that we inspected for for both corn and soybeans and and. Uh, we saw the market react after that grain stocks report, and and the next shoe to drop uh, is going to be you know this next WASDI. I think folks are expecting uh, potentially those yield numbers to come down. Uh, we'd like to see uh, the demand numbers come up a little bit, especially on the export side, the way we've seen uh, strong export sales, and so ultimately that that pulls our stocks down uh, for this new crop and hopefully lifts the price uh, a little bit higher. So I think all eyes are going to be on that report tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Talking with John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Yesterday, uh, John, we had the uh, Administrator of the Farm Service Agency, Richard Fordyce, on. We're getting updates on CFAP 1 and 2. Um, they're not going to s- send out all the $16 billion available to them in CFAP 1. They're going to be around $10.2 or $10.3 billion. And I asked him about the leftover money. He said that they've not determined yet or not decided yet what they're going to do with that money. So we're now in the sign-up and money already going out in, in CFAP 2. What are your thoughts on the, this program, which takes on more uh, importance for agriculture with the breakdown of the COVID aid package talks right now and the possibility mm-hmm. of if they do work out something, agriculture might not even be part of that? Well, you know, we in the HEALS Act, agriculture is part of it. Uh, and in the, 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 in the House Heroes Act, it did include some agricultural provisions. But if they do come out, you know, more scalpel-like in terms of targeted aid uh, that may not include agriculture, you're right, it does put more emphasis on CFAP2. Uh, I did see your tweet yesterday where, where Fordyce indicated that all the uh, CFAP1 money uh, is unlikely to go out and they'll figure out what to do with that. 
Uh, and we got the payment report this morning on CFAP2. Uh, nearly $2 billion has already gone out uh, in that program. A lot of that money uh, has flowed to, to our dairy farmers, to our livestock producers. Uh, I was running the numbers. I think the average payment for dairy farms is somewhere in the neighborhood of $60,000 right now. So uh, CFAP2 is certainly going to be very important. Uh, and I think they made some significant improvements uh, in this program, especially uh, on the specialty crop side, to make it easier for those growers to get access to the assistance they need. I want to talk dairy in just a moment, but let's talk about where we're at right now in a harvest season where we've actually seen market rallies, as well as getting the CFAP money. What are your thoughts on where we're at with the ag economy right now? Well, you know, I think that we've seen prices, especially on the grain side, given the strong demand and the, the lower stocks, those have, those have improved. I think, you know, our livestock and, and dairy spaces, uh, were, you know, they were going to be in a pretty competitive market uh, before COVID. It's, it's still going to be a, a pretty competitive market uh, moving forward. We're slowly uh, starting to move through the backlog of animals and that, uh, that should help producers. So uh, I, I think we're, you know, we're recovering, but there are still portions of the ag economy that, that remain uh, outside of CFAP. They're, they're on the outside looking in, especially our poultry growers, contract hog and pork producers, uh, turkey producers uh, that, that may have seen, you know, the, the number of animals, uh, the number of flocks they received uh, reduced because of CFAP. So that's where uh, the House package included some, some language to help the poultry producers uh, the Senate language included some language to help the uh, poultry producers. So uh, I think things are slowly getting better, but uh, we're not on the other side of this thing. I was just looking yesterday, the number of new confirmed coronavirus cases within the last week uh, hit a level we haven't seen since early August. So uh, that, that curve has now, it's not going down, it's flat. Uh, what that does to schools, uh, what that does to their reopening plans, we saw uh, New York's governor come down and shut down some schools uh, this week there. Uh, so it's still uncertain on what recovery looks like. And I think a, another stimulus package uh, will, will certainly help that. All right, let's look at dairy, uh, your situation there. It's been an up-and-down year. It's 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 been both up and down uh, at the same time, uh, actually. You know, we the, the rally that we saw uh, in cheese was unprecedented. I mean, you talk talk about milk prices collapsed. Uh, we were dumping milk. Milk that was going to the food service sector suddenly didn't have a home. Uh, and then all of a sudden, after a few uh, co-op-led you know, supply reduction programs, uh, after a food box program, we're looking at block cheese that's $3 a pound. Uh, but, but not every producer saw that in their milk check. We saw huge negative PPDs uh, around the country, uh, lots of depooling of milk around the country. We've got a wide block barrel spread that's uh, concerning. Uh, hit a record high, I think, of 90 cents or a dollar uh, within the last week. And then this whole situation on the fluid milk, uh, the unintended consequence of that price change formula uh, has re- resulted in, you know, 400 plus million dollars of lost revenue for dairy. So uh, I think that's why we need to, to look at these federal order systems uh, because of the uncertainty around COVID, it's it's really exposed uh, some things that need to get fixed. You know, the other unknown is how the election's going to turn out and then what the impact will be on policies that will affect agriculture, whether it's energy or climate, uh, those are, and trade certainly. Uh, depending on the outcome of the election, 
that's going to shape things, obviously, the next four years. You know, it, it will. And, and, you know, what the consumer wants is what they're going to want. And, and we're seeing more and more the consumer wants to know uh, where their food comes from, how was it produced, was it sustainably produced, how did you care for the animals, how did you care for the farm workers. And we've been doing, we're excellent stewards of all of that, but the consumer wants to know uh, now more than ever. Uh, I think the local food movement's been, uh, you know, accelerated due to COVID-19. So no matter what happens November 3rd, the consumer has uh, an increasing interest uh, in, in how their food's produced. I think, you know, in a Biden administration, obviously, uh, the environmental footprint of ag is, is going to be uh, under the microscope. And that's where, you know, a good public partnership with farmers uh, we're, we're uniquely positioned to capture carbon in the soil. Uh, we just have to have to provide the proper incentives, technical support to do so. Yeah, there will be opportunities there for agriculture as, as that movement uh, continues. Uh, but will agriculture be able to uh, take advantage of those opportunities? That remains to be seen. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I keep... Uh, saying that that this is what in classical economic theory uh this is a social benefit uh and whenever a social benefit's not being met that's when you need to come in and and subsidize it uh provide incentives uh from the taxpayer space uh to get that public good that that's not being uh delivered by the free market you know a good example of that is uh roads i mean we we pay taxes so that our uh Local uh, cities and states and federal governments maintain our uh, roads and bridges and highways. Uh, this is the same thing. So a significant increase uh, in, in our funding for technical and financial support to adopt new climate smart practices uh, is much needed. Well, a lot of moving parts here and uh, will have great impact on our ag economy moving forward. John, good to talk with you as always. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You take care. John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, up next, we're going to check in with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. I'm sure he'll have some thoughts on the debate last night and some uh, certainly uh, several other issues, including the Supreme Court. He's making the rounds of uh, some stops in Iowa today, kind of on a biofuels tour. We'll find out about that as well. So stay with us. Lots to talk about with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids 
kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, you have some new economic data that uh, they should look at, and that shows the economic impact, the negative impact on the ethanol industry caused by COVID-19. Well, that's right, Mike. Uh, We did see the publication of a new study from some economists at the University of Florida and Arizona State University not typical Corn Belt, uh, you know, land-grant uh, universities, looking at the impacts of COVID-19 on not just the ethanol sector, but also the corn industry and the oil and gas industry. And what they found through a very robust uh, economic analysis is that the ethanol industry is expected to lose somewhere around $8 billion in 2020 due to uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic and the impact that it had on transportation fuel market. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. 
Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we are waiting for Senator Grassley's call. As I said, he is um, making some stops, uh, some visits to some biofuel facilities in Iowa and uh, teaming up with uh, Secretary Purdue at some of those stops as well. So uh, we expect to get a call from him any time now. Hopefully he'll be able to uh, get that call into us and we can talk about some of the issues as we head into this election of 2020 and certainly wanted to get his thoughts on where we're at on another stimulus package, whether or not he thinks they can work that out or not. So hopefully we'll be hearing from uh, Senator Grassley here in just a moment. Uh, Again, uh, call your attention to that lawsuit against uh, California's Prop 12. We talked about that earlier in the program. I think that is a uh, certainly a key case to be watching because if Prop 12 is allowed to go into effect and basically sets these restrictions on what can be sold into that state, meaning the production practices that they decide have to be used, you would have to meet those standards in whatever state you lived in if you're going to sell into that state. And again, the precedent that could set it could go beyond hogs, go beyond pork to any other commodity. And then does that mean there, you're going to have to have inspectors on your farm to verify you meet those uh, requirements if you are going to sell into that California market? I mean, wow, there is a lot to that Prop 12 that has an impact on a lot of different areas. So that is going to be a case to watch. And as we've told you, the U.S. government, the federal government is now backing in, in supporting uh, the National Pork Producers Council and American Farm Bureau Federation's lawsuit. So we will watch closely to see uh, where that goes. A lot of other groups are involved in that as well. Okay, still not hearing from Senator Grassley, so perhaps he has been tied up. So let me uh, move on to something else then, because it, it kind of ties in with what I was just talking about, and that is... Um, Prop 12, supported, of course, by HSUS, uh, which makes us, again, aware of the work and activities of these animal rights groups. And there is a difference between animal welfare and animal rights, and uh, we have to keep that in mind. You know, like many things in our lives this year, Halloween coming up, trick-or-treating will either be canceled or significantly different than usual. And for kids and candy makers, this will be another unwanted change brought on by COVID-19. And while most of us look forward to having this pandemic behind us, hopefully soon, 
Some are making the most of the situation. Following the uh, political practice of not letting a crisis go to waste, animal rights groups are using COVID to push their agenda against animal agriculture. And we have to be aware of that. They are well-funded. And uh, efforts like Prop 12, another example of that. So we have to be very, very careful of that. All right, let's go to Senator Grassley, who joins us now. Senator, thank you. I know you're making some biofuel stops today. Uh, You're on top of everything. I should expect that from Amazon Agriculture. But anyway, uh, we're going to be with Secretary Purdue uh, today on two different stops. Uh, There's going to be an announcement uh, for uh, a multi-million dollar program uh, that we're uh, uh, that we're, for this uh, program that's called uh, Higher Plans Infrastructure Incentive Program, uh, and we're going to be touring a uh, ethanol plant in Mason City before the announcement, and then we'll be uh, going to Ankeny for further meetings. And I'll, I'll just very quickly say the the program that this multi was $22 million being announced uh, for Iowa. It's coming out of a $100 million program out of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and it's to incentivize uh, uh, gasoline stations to put in higher blend uh, ethanol uh, uh, equipment. Uh, and, uh, and Casey's is participating in this, uh, and it's a it's got to be matched dollar by dollar by other companies, uh, by Casey and other companies, and uh, it's a big boost for this. And uh, it's a big boost. Uh, we're going to be joined by Ernst and Reynolds and Nate, uh in uh, at these stops, and uh, and uh, I guess uh, I guess uh, I'm wrong about being uh, with them. Uh, what I want to say is yesterday, this is where I was headed. Yesterday, I was with these people in the Mason City of Biodiesel because I want to highlight the great work that, uh, that, uh, uh, Joni Ernst has done to get these gas waivers off because that was a big, uh, disincentive for ethanol, the future of ethanol, if we didn't get them off because we would have been getting a lot less gallons of ethanol out. So that's what I'm doing today. Will we get another stimulus package done before the election, and will agriculture be part of it? If we get one done before the election or even after the election, uh, I think about $20 billion of additional money uh, for agriculture would be in it. At least that's what we've been talking about in all the negotiations so far. Uh, But I think that it's very difficult to get a bipartisan agreement between now and the election. So what about the president's approach, kind of a targeted approach, just for the airlines or just stimulus checks? Well, and I would think that uh, it'd be, uh, I, I found all this agriculture stuff to be nonpartisan uh, as we're dealing with the care package. So I would hope that they would include that as well. But I think the president's principle is, is very good from this standpoint. Uh, so you get a, whether it's a trillion dollar package or a one and a half trillion dollar package or close he wants two and two tenths trillion dollar package, we can't go, uh, we shouldn't even be going over a trillion dollars. 
actually, I would think we're crazy uh, for even talking about a trillion dollars. But wherever you get a compromise, there's one or two things that are holding it up, and there's uh, dozens of things that can be agreed Case. to, and that's what the president's talking about. Thank you, Senator Grassley. Thank you. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.